beloved congregation, we've just sung together Psalm 22, the words also that were on the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, and as we sang, we could feel the suffering, the grief, the misery, the anger of God that our Lord Jesus experienced on the cross. His physical suffering was uh, immense. John 19 also refers to the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ, telling us that he was flogged. That means he was hit and whipped. He was mocked. They spit upon him. He had to carry his own cross to Golgotha. They made him a crown of thorns and a purple robe so that they could mock him because he claimed to be king. And they lifted him up to hang on the cross until his death. As we sing Psalm 22, some of that, the pain, the physical pain and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can see that. We see that since the beginning when Adam and Eve fell into sin, the Lord's punishment of sin has always included physical suffering, whether it be labor pains or the pains of work, of labor, whether it is disease or death or enemy attacks or exile, there was always a physical aspect to God's anger against sin. And so for Jesus to be a complete substitute, he needed to feel that physical pain and suffering that God sent to punish sin. But we know that's not all that our Lord Jesus suffered. We know that he also suffered in his soul because he was an innocent son of the eternal God who, while on the cross, lifted his eyes to see the horrible darkness and the eternal anger of his beloved father who had forsaken him. The Lord Jesus knew that rather than protect him, his father was making him feel every ounce of the burden of his wrath against mankind, against our sins. And the curse of God lay on his crucified son. Jesus had nowhere to turn for comfort in this bitter hour. And then we read in the text, John 19, verses 25 to 27, that the Lord Jesus, this bitter hour of intense suffering, he, he looked down and he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, and, and he spoke to them. And the words that he spoke to Mary and his beloved disciple are recorded so that we may believe that he is the Son of God, and by believing, we may have life in his name. And I preach to you the gospel under this theme, that our Savior left family and friends to be forsaken on the cross by his Father. We'll see that he released his mother from the task of caring for him, and he placed his mother in the care of the church. The Holy Spirit explains in verse 24 
that Psalm 22, verse 18, was being fulfilled while Jesus was on the cross. The soldiers were dividing his garments into four parts, one for each soldier, and they cast lots for his seamless tunic. You may have noticed that it was in Psalm 22 when we read that and we sang that, and it happened on the cross. The Father fulfilled the prophecy of this messianic psalm. He used the soldiers to express his hatred against sin and rebellion. Through them he punished sin and his son, whom he left to hang naked, exposed on the cross. Psalm 22 speaks of other instruments in God's hands as well that he used to punish his son. We read in Psalm 22, verses 6 to 8, and several other times in the psalm of of the people who saw Jesus on the cross and and who mocked him, wagging their heads at him and challenging God to save his son. Indeed, they were challenging him to come down. But the Lord Jesus was very aware that he had been set apart from birth For exactly this reason. That's clear also in Psalm 22, especially verses 9 and 10. That's where we read, Yet you, referring to God, are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. The psalm shows us that Jesus' death, his separation from his mother to do this task was a part of of God's plan and that Mary was an instrument in God's hand. She was the promised descendant of Eve who gave birth to the Son of God. Jesus was taken from her womb and even while she nursed him, It was clear that he had been cast upon the Lord, to use the the words of Psalm 22. Cast upon the Lord in order to fulfill God's plan to save sinners like you and I. She was the woman that Jesus saw standing near the cross shortly before he gave up his spirit and died. The Holy Spirit describes the scene. He highlights the contrast and the end of verse 24 and the beginning of verse 25, there's a contrast between the soldiers dividing up his garment and the women who were together with John, the the beloved disciple. And so verse 25 starts with the word, but. But, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And the first two women on the list are sisters. Some say Mary's sister's name was Salome. It's also possible that Mary, the wife of Clopas, is Jesus' mother's uh, sister-in-law. So Clopas and Joseph uh, in antiquity in some of the old historic documents, Joseph and Clopas are said to be brothers. We see the family of our Lord Jesus around him while he was on the cross. The fourth woman is called Mary Magdalene because she came from a place called Magdala on the Sea of Galilee. 
And she had a special connection to Jesus because he had driven seven demons out of her. And Mary Magdalene had ministered to Jesus, contributed financially to him and his disciples. Jesus was there surrounded by his family and his friend Mary Magdalene and the disciple whom he loved. Jesus saw, we read, he saw his mother throughout her life. Mary had been told amazing things about her son. She had been called by the Lord himself who sent an angel. She had been called to be a servant of the Lord and his plan, and she had willingly accepted her mission. The famous words, may it be to me as you have said. When she received visits from the shepherds, we read she treasured up all these things in her hearts. In Luke 2, we read, she marveled at Simeon's words concerning her son when Jesus was, was still a baby. and She was able to pass him around to, to somebody else. And then she received Simeon's blessing. Mary had seen the Magi from the east coming all the way to her house to worship her firstborn son. Mary had been there when Jesus performed his first sign changing water into wine. And afterwards, she had had Jesus, she had invited Jesus and his disciples to her home to be with her and her other sons in Capernaum for a few days. <clears throat> we can see how Jesus' mission to be taken from the womb, to serve in God's plan, how it could create tension and conflict in his mother's heart. Already as a child, the Lord Jesus stayed extra time in the temple with the teachers because he knew that that was his father's house. He, he knew his mission. It was difficult for his mother. At the wedding feast in Cana, he addressed his mother publicly as, as woman. And he made it clear that he was not following her desires, but the plan of his heavenly father. And as time went on, Jesus continually and patiently instructed his mother and his brothers to realize that they did not have any special claim to him. He showed them what it meant that he had been taken from the womb and, womb and cast upon the Lord to serve his brothers, as we read in Psalm 22. <clears throat> when his mother and brothers, at one time during his ministry, they came looking for him, the Lord Jesus declared that it was not his birth mother and his blood brothers who were his mother and his brother. He said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that person is my brother and my sister and my mother. That's in Matthew 12, verse 50. Mary had had to learn throughout her life that her claim to Jesus as mother would only be upheld if she recognized him as her Lord. When Jesus spoke to his mother Mary from the cross, he made it very clear that John would take his place as her son. He said to her in John 19, verse 26, he said, Woman, behold your son. Woman, what had been announced to you from the beginning must now be accepted. Woman, it is time for me, your Lord, to leave you as my mother so that I can sacrifice my own life to save you. 
He released his mother from the task of caring for him. And as he did so, we see that the Lord Jesus in the, the dying moments and the most intense suffering, he speaks to his mother. He speaks to her because he knew that's the strength of the mother-son bond of love. And whether or not Mary was among the weeping women mentioned in Luke 23, Jesus knew how difficult it would be for this woman to look upon her firstborn son hanging on the cross like a criminal, exposed, being mocked by everyone, misunderstood, naked, beaten, and jeered. He had warned his disciples during his ministry. You can read about that in Matthew 12. He had warned them how hard it would be to follow him. He told them it would be necessary to love him more than mother or father. He says because many who serve in the kingdom would be opposed by the members of their own family. Jesus showed that he understood the difficulty of choosing him over family. And he gave a special promise to those who follow his example in Mark 10, verses 29 to 31. He said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel and faces persecution who will not receive eternal life in the age to come. All this shows that our Lord Jesus was not insensitive to the difficulty of his mother's task and calling as an instrument in his plan. In fact, the difficulty she faced through all this would have even added to his suffering. Perhaps he thought he was looking to her for comfort, but as he looked, it added to his suffering. When it's time to make a sacrifice for the kingdom of God, sometimes the sorrow on the face of loved ones we leave behind is more difficult to deal with than the actual suffering we face for the kingdom. To think of someone who is killed for his family, it happens all the time today, a martyr, and what they must feel in their hearts when they think about their family, their husband, their wife, their children, they have to live the rest of the life without them. Now imagine how much worse it would be if our loved ones don't understand the importance of the sacrifice that we are making. Imagine how much more difficult it is if they don't understand, they don't believe the same thing we believe about God. Not only would they be sad to see you die, they would think you were dying for nothing. They would think that you don't love them. It's this that our Lord Jesus faced. Not only was it a mother sad to see her son die, it was a mother who didn't understand why. Rather than worshiping him, rather than, than thanking him for coming from heaven just to die for them, they were actually wishing he wouldn't die on the cross. And how it must have hurt Jesus 
to see this misunderstanding. To see his own loved ones think it was for nothing. What a blessing, what an example to see that our Lord Jesus did not become bitter with their lack of understanding. Rather, he places his mother in John's care. We read that in John 19, verse 26. He says, woman, behold your son. John was not Mary's natural son. And the Lord Jesus makes it clear that he is forming a new bond, a new relationship. When he also says to John, behold your mother. And as he speaks to his widowed mother, Jesus reveals the arrangements that he as firstborn son had made to provide for her after his death. The Lord Jesus shows us that in the true faith, the righteous will care for the members of their own household. This care extends not only to their physical well-being, but also to their spiritual well-being. And so the Lord Jesus did not leave the responsibility of his mother into the hands of his brothers, who John tells us in chapter 7, verse 5, did not believe in him yet. They were not standing beside his mother at the foot of the cross. How could Jesus leave his mother in the care of men who did not believe that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one could come to the Father except through him? As every loving child should do, the Lord Jesus did his utmost to have his mother taking care of those who knew and embraced the true hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. Mary had a special place in God's plan, and when Jesus died, she would not lose that place. As Jesus said goodbye to his mother, he also gives her and his spiritual family hope by pointing them to a place where he would dwell forever. Maybe with the words of Psalm 22 still on his mind, where he, he speaks of being a blessing to posterity, to the assembly of the brothers. The Lord Jesus placed his mother into John's care and protection. He placed his mother into his own body, the church. You can see the metaphor there, taken from her body and now placing her in his body. It was an act of extreme importance. It was an act of extreme comfort. It showed us the hope of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. By placing her with John, Jesus let John know and Mary know and the other Marys know that his death on the cross was not the head-crushing blow against the Son of God. The cross was only a strike at the heel. The cross was only a step along the way. The Lord was making it clear that the church would survive. And in fact, that through the church, our Lord Jesus would continue to be with his mother. Not just as a human child, but as her brother, as her Lord, as her Savior. All the suffering that they were about to see in that, in that hour, to hear from that moment until Jesus' death, it was not a sign of defeat. And as Jesus placed his mother in John's care, he was declaring that he 
was living according to God's plan. Later on in the church, they would remember what the Old Testament had said about the king and the line of David. They would remember what the Old Testament said about the the stone the builders who had rejected has become the chief stone, and their tears would dry up. They would study the promise of life through the, through the sacrifices, the, the atonement, the suffering servant that we sang about in hymn 25, Isaiah 53. They would remember the Messiah that was promised in Psalm 22. And then they would see so clearly that his sacrifice was not a defeat, but it was a wonderful gift from God. Yes, within the church, with John and Mary there, they would would study God's Word. They would see the Lord's work. Mary could be reminded of the words of the prophet Simeon, who spoke to her at the beginning of Jesus' life so many years ago, about 30 years before, as he held Jesus when he was still a boy. You can read that in Luke 2, verses 29 to 35. The prophet Simeon said, Lord, My eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. looking, Looking at Jesus, he said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And he says to Mary, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts hearts of many may be revealed. And how Mary's heart was pierced. And how the thoughts of the Jewish people would be revealed. And how the gospel would shine among the Gentiles. And Mary would have to think about the separation Jesus made between John and the rest of her sons. It was a powerful message. It hit the heart Mary had to choose between blood or faith. And she needed to learn that faith runs thicker than blood. That is an expression that means the bond that you have with fellow believers who are united in the one true faith is stronger than any family connection could give you on its own. Maybe that is because your fellow Christians are those with whom you will spend eternity. John shows himself faithful. We read at the end of our text, from that very hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The family of faith is so very important for the life of every one of its members. Mary made the right choice. She, She went with John and she quickly was able to see that hundredfold blessing that Jesus had promised in Mark 10 for those who follow him rather than their families. For not only did she end up with her eternal life, but she was also united with her family. You see, we are able to look ahead to the future of Mary's life. We can turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Verse 14. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. This happened 
50 days after Jesus' resurrection, 10 days before he ascended into heaven, you know who was in the upper room of the house praying together with John and several other disciples and believers? The Holy Spirit tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us that they were there together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. How merciful God was to Mary, who was quickly followed by her other sons, who was able to walk in the path to eternal life together with them. And then we see the picture, our Lord Jesus Christ, still in his suffering. He looked down upon the lamenting church who loved him, and he told them not to weep for him, but to weep for the posterity who would not want to follow him. He saw his loved ones around the cross and he gave them hope in his victory by placing his mother in John's care, by placing her in the church. And he made it clear that the church did not need to look upon his cross in shame or embarrassment. His death was not foolishness. It was not useless. It was not defeat in any way. Rather, it was a reason for a mother's greatest joy and greatest pride in her son. The Father in heaven did not leave us or abandon us, but rather he gave us a substitute, his very own son, who came to crush the head of the serpent forever. You can call this Good Friday. Good Friday. The day the Lord showed the depth of his love for us when he gave his own son. The day that Mary saw her task on earth completed and could hear her firstborn son say that his work was finished. The day that guaranteed the truth of John 3 verse 16 which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What a message to share with the world. God gave up his own son for sinners. And like parents who send their children off to defend their country in war, we too can be pleased to see our loved ones give up family and friends and wealth and influence to share this gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For we know that if we believe in Jesus Christ, even if we send our family members off, we have to be separated for the sake of the kingdom. We know that we will meet again. May God continue to comfort us with this wonderful gospel. Christ's precious blood has freed me from all the devil's power and slavery. The Holy Spirit brings me consolation and makes me Willing now with dedication in hope his yoke to bear. Amen.